Welcome to the crap and the crazy with Tash Critter. Tash owns Little Wooden Toy Box and is mother of two teens, both with autism, ADHD and PDA. Ten years in early intervention, working with the kids' OTs, speeches and psychologists has given Tash unique insight into understanding difficult behaviours and why they occur, as well as understanding how emotional regulation and sensory input impacts us and our behaviour. This insight has helped Tash design and implement resources and coping strategies to make home life calmer and more organised. Join Tash as she talks about day-to-day -day life with autism, the sucky bits and the wins, plus tips for enjoying life despite the challenges. Hello, in episode six I want to cover silent meltdowns, so understanding that not all meltdowns are loud and screamy and crying, that some kids will have meltdowns and this presumably comes with the selective mutism and those kids that shut down. So recognizing a kid that shut down is not okay, yeah? Uh, just because they're not screaming, it doesn't mean that they're coping well. And this may look like, uh, and for my girl, it looks like she will just stop dead as a tin soldier, so her hands will go straight down by her sides, her whole body will stay still, and her whole face will stay still. She'll have no facial expression, and she has shut down. She is not coping with the world um, just because she's quiet. Again, same as when someone is screaming, she's not in a place to think logically, or to reason, or to have a discussion. And just being aware that meltdowns can present very differently but internally they can look very much the same yeah and you know some people look at these kids and think they are fine and they're really not whereas you look at someone screaming clearly they're not fine yes but you look at someone that is shut down and just because they're quiet um, they can often get ignored or go under the radar. We also see in these kids an ability to mask and mirror other behaviors and this seems to be uh, more in girls than in boys and look I'm talking from my everyday life experience as a parent with a kid that does mask and mirror and has the silent meltdowns and then I've got the other very loud one punches the walls and whatnot. Um, you know where he stands having a kid with the silent meltdowns is really hard to parent because there's just zero communication. At least when someone is screaming and angry, then, you know, there's a there's a bit more going on there. There's a, like, you know, there was a trigger and there was a response. Whereas with a silent meltdown, you often don't even see the trigger or the buildup of those behaviors. So with a kid um, that can more outwardly express how they're feeling, like my boy, you get the, the fists, you get the stiff arms, um, covering the ears if the noise is too loud his body will start to get agitated um, he'll do the it used to be called the toilet dance but it there's an anxiety kind of dance as well they just so you can see in him set behaviors that are leading um, and showing that he's escalating which will result in a meltdown with my girl tends not to have these triggers um, and I mentioned masking and mirroring before so masking is when they Again, my experience as a parent, not as a therapist. So if you go and look up this further, you may find, um, you know, more, less information on it. 
But my point there is, you know, that masking is behaving like everyone else in the situation to blend in or doing the absolute minimum to make things look okay or lying. Lying's a big one and I'm, I'm not entirely sure that they see it or process it as lying as opposed to I'm going to say this to shut down this conversation to get me out of this situation. So it's more a survival thing than a manipulative thing. Does that make sense? And again, this is just what I've noticed throughout the years with my girl and other kids that we've worked with and other people on the spectrum as well. It's not my research by any means. Um, and another one that mirroring, so copying other people in the situation to take focus away from them as well, to just blend in with everyone else because they're not sure what to do. They don't have the social skills. They're more like survival skills to get through the situation. Can you imagine how exhausting this would be for these kids? So they're not, they're not acting in and fitting in because of them and their personality. They're trying to read the situation. They're trying to copy um, other people to fit in. You can also imagine how as they get older, this can lead them into quite difficult uh, social situations, yeah? And situations that they're not entirely sure how to get out of. So yeah, I guess as parents as well, and this is why we do the speech therapy, the psych therapy, everything else, uh, to get those strategies to teach them very explicitly how to get out of these situations, what we say in these situations. Um, we'll often see these kids are scripted as well. A lot of kids with autism are because they've been specifically taught what to say in a situation. And they'll often say that in every situation. Yeah, gone a bit off track with the silent meltdowns. Um, just because your kid has silent meltdowns doesn't mean they will always have silent meltdowns. Yeah, one episode, day, morning, whatever it was ingrained in my head was... I don't know whether it was a Christmas shopping day. I'm guessing it was something extra I had to get done. Um, and I had both my kids, so they must have been under two and four or around two and four. I remember having my girl in the stroller pram thing. So she wasn't a little baby. She was bigger by then. And I did. she was angry at me again. I don't know what I did. Don't remember what it was. And you often didn't know. I still don't know half the time when she's angry at me as to why, but yeah. Again, that's our everyday life. But this particular time, she had kicked off her sandals. So it was summer. She had flipped her feet upside down and she was to like under the pram. And I was pushing the pram and she was going along the floor, scraping all the skin off her feet because she was angry at me. That was a part of how a meltdown looked for her. Um, continuing on that day, I had, because the two kids were trying to kill each other as well, um, so I had her in a trolley. I had my boy sitting in the, you know, the top bit of the trolley where you put your kid facing you. And I had to put her in the stroller in the trolley facing the other way. Cause there was only one of me and two of them. And she was trying to rip my eyes out, like my eyes out of my face. She would grab your skin and she would dig her nails in and she'd twist it and pull it. So that's the only way I could contain her and keep my skin on my face and the skin on my other child. And, oh, look, there was probably screaming. She wasn't so much of a screamer. I don't know whether my boy was having a meltdown at that point or I don't ever. This is this is one good thing that works for us. If my girl is having a meltdown or not coping well, 
my boy actually really pulls himself together and the other way around I tend not to have both having a meltdown at the same time in saying that in those early years where my boy was screaming so much so he's two years almost two years older than my girl and you know the three hours of screaming 20 minutes break three hours of screaming all day every day she was born into that and you know she started talking at eight months hadn't progressed by 18 but you look at what she was born into all that screaming and you wonder you know you wonder would she be different if that hadn't happened and look as a parent um you know i've only got the two there there are other families out there with more than two kids with autism and you kind of you put out the biggest fire first which was the screaming and like there was no way we could function in that house well we had to learn i suppose but where you could you would do what you could to reduce the screaming yeah and that often meant that my girl she would sit there quite quietly but you you didn't get a lot out of her um that that's really only changed in the last few years and again that just comes with that shutdown and selective mutism territory um and again why i said it was hard as well like with the with the kid that can express how they're feeling you kind of know where you stand but a kid that shuts down there is that zero communication there is not a lot to work with and as a parent that's really hard to deal with as well and looking back now like would she have been different if she wasn't putting up with that screaming all day if i wasn't constantly dealing with him she was still there she was still fed she was a part of our lives like she was always there but she was always there with her brother screaming and whether whether it would look any different if she you know didn't experience that in well i can't even say early years it's been it's been our lives really and then as my boy has grown up and it's taken a long time but uh and we the the meltdowns you know as he started to get into teenage years turned into rage which is different again that's just a level up from the the meltdowns and that was not so look that is hard to deal with but to see in an older kid when they are more aware of their behavior and they can't help their behavior but you know that guilt and that shame that comes with it that's really hard to deal with again i've gone off track but with my girl in these last few years now that she's gone into these teenage years she's needed so much more time and energy from me that now i'm seeing behaviors come out in my boy because he's not in the spotlight all the time does that make sense like this is this is just parenting the way that you can judge me if you want doesn't really make much difference to our lives but i hope you know for for those of you that are going through this as well to to be okay with not being everything for everyone even when it's your kids as well um you you do your best do you you do the best with what you know and there's still i'm learning every day still with my kids and you know teenage years are just a whole nother ball game don't stress about that now if you're in those younger years know that what you are learning what you are putting into your kids now in the younger years is a massive investment yeah and you will see that even though you may not see it right now you will see that later and it will pay off and um 
Yeah, I'm just going to stop on the teenage years. So as far as tools and strategies for silent meltdowns, they actually look very similar to if your kid is having a loud screaming meltdown. Um, so finding a safe, calm place for them to de-escalate, to just be, I guess it's just reducing all that sensory input, all the demands, um, so lowering lowering your expectations as far as conversation goes so just because they're not being loud and screaming and crying doesn't mean they're processing so recognizing that they have hit that shutdown point it's not the time for discussion it's not the time for talking about behaviors or talking about a situation how it could have been managed better or whatever else you just leave that and for some kids that looks like an hour later after they've calmed down or it could be five hours later in our house it it's six hours later for my boy and tends to be never for my girl depending on the situation um, but headphones so the noise cancelling headphones to just take out that audio um, a darkened room candles may work now look that depends on the age of your kid yeah um, whether you get led ones or just soft lighting in the room probably would have been a better thing to say there fluffy blankets weighted blankets um, with my girl depending on the situation what has happened how she is responding I will use body weight so a hug or sit on her um, or use the weighted blanket again for some kids that will make things worse my I was saying in the last episode with my boy I would you know push him a little bit further to blow up the volcano so the meltdown was going to happen whether it happened now or in three hours time it was just a miserable three hours waiting for it versus we get it over and done with i tend to not use that strategy with my girl um she just doesn't work that way and that's going to be different for you and your relationship with each kid and how they respond their sensory profile, their sensory preferences, sensory aversions, and the works there. Um, I think I've covered most of the senses there. If you want more information on this, as far as strategies go, I actually go into that in detail in our emotional regulation and sensory profile uh, course training pack. So you get all the printed resources um, for you to train you up on what sensory profiles are what sensory processing difficulties looked at look like meltdowns tantrums the works um, understanding that you know different emotions sit differently on an emotional spectrum at both ends um, even excitement and the rage or irate at the other end both ends are out of control what to do what not to do and yeah just tips strategies advice my two cents worth from my 10 years and going experience um yeah i will leave it at that for today the next episode is going to be about poop we have lots of poop stories and yeah okay i will talk to you soon bye